I'm Kate Northrup. And I'm Mike Watts. And we're partners in life, love, and business. Welcome to the Kate and Mike Show, where we share insights and interviews on entrepreneurship, relationships, parenting, self-actualization, and making a life, not just a living. Welcome to the Kate and Mike Show. This is Mike. And this is Kate. And today we have a really special, cozy episode for you. You know those people who you meet and you feel like you've known them your whole life and you could just be curled up on your couch drinking coffee with no makeup and jammies? Well, that is how I felt talking to Sara Agafranti, who is our guest today. She used to be an emergency room nurse and became a traveling nurse and basically burned out. Yeah, pretty much. Basically burned out. Founded a jewelry company which is at saralua.com, which you can find in the show notes. And along the way, met and fell in love with her husband, Michael Franti. And in today's episode, we talk about what it's like kind of building your own identity when your identity or brand are somewhat attached to somebody with a more well-established brand or identity. And then also her amazing work as the co-founder and chief strategy officer for do it for the love, which is her nonprofit with her husband. And it's a wish granting organization that brings people living with life threatening illnesses, children in severe challenges and wounded veterans to live concerts. Yeah. It's pretty cool. And she tells the story of one particular man who was brought to a show through do it for the love. And I cried. It's really super beautiful. Yeah. I would say she's really easy to talk to. We got along great. Or, yeah, it's just, it was a great conversation, I would say. Very, very easy. I met her in Richmond, Virginia at my talk that I gave, and we talk a little bit about that as well down there. Or this was in 2017, and we just like hit it off as soon as I met her. I went to one of her talks, and our mutual friend, Danielle Laporte, was the officiant, is that correct? At the wedding, at her wedding to Michael. And yeah, she was like, you just should go meet Sara and hang out. And I, that's what we did. So it was really cool. She's really cool. Yeah. Cool lady. I mean, I just would say yeah. like insightful, humble, super open, Smart. you know, like not guarded, really wonderful, yeah. but not not guarded in a weird way. You know, some people yeah. are just overshares. She's like appropriate, but also just really open. <laughs> yeah. So she's an appropriate overshare. No, she's an appropriate sharer. Appropriate sharer. Got it. Okay. Oh, appropriate <laughs> open sharer. She's not an overshare. Okay. Open sharer. <laughs> open share. Appropriate she's, open. But yeah. she's very generous yes. of herself. Correct. That is correct. And it was cool because she talked about what it's been like to work with Michael, her husband. So we talked about partnership and work. We're really into that conversation because clearly Kate and I record a podcast together and do things together. So we had a little, you'll hear about a little accountability that we're going to have with her and I as we move into 2018. And it's cool because she just sent me a video of what that accountability is this morning as we were recording this intro and said that I'm working on the thing that you'll hear in the podcast. So it was cool. Yeah, yeah she's cool. on it. Yeah. Yep. We talked about digitally detoxing. We talked about having strong boundaries between your work life and your romantic life and how to help both of those things flourish. We talked about systems and operations in businesses and how to help organizations become stronger through systems and organization, which I thought was really powerful. And we talked about being raised with a strong work ethic and what that's been like. And, you know, Sarah comes from an immigrant family whose parents created a beautiful life for them, and they moved from Iran with nothing. 
so that's also a pretty cool story. Mm-hmm. So I was inspired, and I can't wait to meet Sara in person. But in the meantime, this was an awesome episode, and I think you're going to really love it. Yeah, enjoy. Welcome to the Kate Mike Show. <laughs> this is Mike. And this is Kate. And we're so happy you're here, and we're so happy to be here with Sara. Hi, Sara. Hi, I'm so excited to be with you guys. And I get to meet you for the first time, Kate. I know. I can't wait until we get to meet in person. I've been following you online, I think, ever since our mutual friend Danielle Laporte married you. I think that's when you came onto my radar. That's Um, amazing. Yeah. So I like know a little bit about you, but I'm pretty excited to hear more and talk about how you guys met Mike. Are you wearing Beats headphones? I am. Okay, for those of you who can't see. And, and they're red. <laughs> I see that. I, it's I my just watched. Bring color into my life through my headphones. <laughs> I just watched the Defiant one. Did you have you seen this? The documentary? No. It's the HBO documentary with Dr. Dre and Jimmy Iovine and all about like, you know, NWA and the music industry and just the, how they got their starts and the whole thing. And then they talk about Beats headphones selling to Apple for $3.2 billion. Like, yeah, it was incredible. So, well, I'm happy I was able to make a small contribution. Although I did get them as a gift when I bought my MacBook Pro. Oh, that's so cool. I don't know if that counts, but it's all the same I company had, now. So, yeah. I had heard about the documentary though. I've seen snippets of it. I need to watch it all the way through. It's great. I highly recommend it. So I just love hearing the stories of coming from nothing to building something to like, just like yeah. unbelievable, yeah. you know, and Eminem's album just dropped this morning and I was listening to a little bit. And he's like, you know, he's like, I came from whatever. And now I live in a gated community and people were like, you made it. And he's like, yeah, I don't think so. You know, it's just <laughs> funny, like the perspective shift on everything. Yeah. I always, I'm freaked out by gated communities. Yeah, they're weird. I'm just going to put it out there. Growing up like in a small town in Maine, the idea of living, I completely understand why yes. they exist and I get it. But like, I just, it feels so bizarre to me to have to put up a wall around your neighborhood. Well, it's different. I agree. Maine is much different. I totally know. Yes. There's I a million, know is really there's, different. There's a million people I, in the state. So I definitely do not live in a gated community. I live in the hood of San Francisco. I live in the hood of San Francisco. And my parents came, I'm Canadian originally, and my parents came to Canada as refugees. And so their dream was to like live in a house with a garage, with a yard. And as I was growing up, we first lived in city housing and then they bought their first townhome so we had like three bedrooms but it was theirs like it was ours and then when I was in sixth grade we moved to a like community that had stucco like you know the neighborhoods that have the home association you can only pick five shades of stucco and four kinds of brick and you had your garage and so we moved there and that's when we felt like we made it and so then when I moved to San Francisco I moved in with my husband who had a home in the hood and my mom comes and visits me and she starts to cry. And she's, like, <laughs> she's like, how is this happening? She's like, we worked so hard to get you out of this. And I was like, mom, it's San Francisco. These homes are like a million dollars. Oh my God, anything <laughs> is like insane there. And but she was like, there's no yard. Like what's going on? And then when I drove around the city and she realized that most of San Francisco, other than the two gated communities in the city, Nobody has a front yard. She was able to understand that this is the dynamic of San Francisco and we're not that far off. And I love our home. I love our neighborhood. We have community there. We know our neighbors. So 
Where did your but parents yeah. come from? Came from Iran. They oh. came, yeah, they came to Canada in 1982. Yeah. During a recession, which was really challenging for them too. So, yeah. So that's when you speak of gated communities. I'm like, yep, yeah, no, not for me either. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's it's such a, well, I mean, it's a safety thing. You know, I oh, remember, yeah. I will never, the, so the Foo Fighters drummer was on this video that I watched with him and Dave Grohl Taylor and he lives in this gated community outside of LA and the real estate agent came by one day, he was like riding his mountain bike and he's like, yeah. So he's like, I saw Kanye West looking at this house next door and the real estate agent comes by and he was like, I'm really concerned about safety. Like this was Kanye's biggest thing. It's like, where, where's the entrances? Where's all the people, where can people come in? And he sees this yeah. dude mountain biking like crazy down the mountain behind the house that he was looking at. And he's like, who's that guy? You know, and he's like, oh, that's the drummer of Foo Fighters. And Kanye goes, oh, cool. You know, and it was like, okay, so I know who it, you know, and he's like, all right. And yeah, just such, but it is, it's a safety thing. Like we don't have, you know, at this moment. Well, and and also, yeah. And also like for someone at that caliber of celebrity status, like I totally. I think if I were Kanye West, I would also be concerned more about safety than I am. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. I mean, I, at we this have, point, we don't have stalkers, but you know, okay, you, we, so never, I'm say, we have a stalker situation. I can only imagine. I mean, it's just one that's a problem, but that's like made me concerned about my safety. Sure. But, so I totally get it. So it's like, it's like, imagine if you're Drake who shows up after a tour and there's someone sleeping in your <gasps> bed. Wait, like, I don't know if you're about that. No. Yeah. And like that helped me put my situation into perspective because we were dealing, I think I was filling out like a police report or something. Oh. And then I see online, like Drake comes home from tour and finds a woman sleeping in bed in, in, for three days. And I was like, oh my God, <laughs> I'm like, my situation's not that bad. That is so creepy. <laughs> you know, any amount of stalking is creepy though. So I'm curious for you. Are we changing topics? Yeah, no, well now I actually have a real question. Instagram stalking? Yeah. No. <laughs> I'm curious for you, like, it sounds like you grew, you know, you grew up in Calgary and like, you know, relatively speaking, it was like a, there's no version of normal childhood, obviously. Right. But like, I'm curious, what's it been like for you to go from kind of like that kind of lifestyle to then having a public persona? Yeah. What's the transition been like for you and how does it feel? It's a good question. I get that question asked a lot, actually. I mean, I don't, well, I mean, in a good way, but I don't see it as a negative thing because sometimes people ask in a negative way, like, oh, well, how has it affected your self-esteem or almost like it's been a negative, what's the negative impact Mm. it's had on my life? I think though the transition I was resistant to, because obviously I you know, married my husband who had an audience and I automatically, you know, now sit in front of that audience. And that also helped me create my own audience and my own community and following. But I was really resistant to it in the beginning because I was like, I have to do this on my own. I don't want to feel like I'm piggybacking off of anyone else. And so a great example is that when I started my jewelry line, Saralua, it's like I hustled like crazy And I didn't take for granted that I was able to, you know, speak about my jewelry and I had my husband's audience or some of them who were listening, you know, I wanted to ensure that everything I put out was the absolute best that I could put out, which is sometimes to my own demise, you know, and it held me back because I had this fear and I still do of, you know, it has to be great 
it has to be perfect because it has to be about me and not me building off of someone else's work. Does that make sense? A hundred percent. Yeah. I resonate with that very deeply from my own experience. Yeah. So I think because I saw how hard my parents had to work to give us and what they created for themselves, it really, it's created this monster inside of me of having to create like 100%, you know, that's where I get my validation and acknowledgement. So yeah, so the transition actually was really challenging. Like it was depressing sometimes almost because it made me question, is it about me? You know, is it about me? Am I getting the attention almost, you know, like, am I getting the right validation? Am I, is it because of the work that I'm doing or because of who I'm associated with? So yeah, it's been interesting. Some sleepless nights. For sure. Yeah, no, it's really, it's a very interesting question. And I've chatted with other people who are either the parents of people with an audience or friends or, you know, siblings or whatever. And like, there's a wide variety. So you and I have more of a feeling of like, is this okay? Because did I earn it? Mm-hmm. But then I've talked to other friends where, who are in similar situations and it's like not even on their radar which I kind of love because (laughs) at least for me being my mom's daughter, like at times it's felt really heavy and like I needed to extra prove myself. Yeah. And I've talked to other people who are just like, well, you know, I love my dad and it's like really great. And you know, I just do this work and it's awesome. And I just, I like, I think with the soul's journey, it's so interesting, like what lessons we come in to learn and we can be in really similar situations on the outside as other people but experience it completely differently. And I don't think one is better than the other. But I also, you know, there are plenty of people, I know you know this, but there are plenty of people who do end up in these situations with like sort of a built-in audience or whatever, and they don't have the product or the voice or the energy to hold it. Yeah, or the drive. Or the drive, right? So, you know, there's always like, Yes, some things we do get given and then it's like, what do we do with that? For sure. Yeah. That's why I tell people who kind of like, I've had even friends who've made the suggestion that, you know, my jewelry line, for example, because this was like the very early stages of how I was separating myself from being a registered nurse full time to an entrepreneur. And they made some people made the suggestion that, oh, well, it's doing well because she's Michael Franti's wife. And And it would really bother me. And I'd say, you know what? Like I hustled like crazy, you know, and I took every advantage of every opportunity. And then I almost like I had to prove it. I'm like, well, I have repeat customers. If my product was, wasn't great. I mean, if if people didn't like it, they wouldn't be coming back or this and that. So I almost wonder too, as you were saying that is it's like, what were we exposed to in our parents' journey? So did you see your mom hustle really hard and have to go through some sorts of struggles? Yes. And so that resonates with you, right? Whereas maybe someone else wasn't exposed to that side of their parents' journey. And maybe they came into it when their parents were either like at their peak or whatever, or they just never saw the, the hustle. And I definitely saw the hustle. Perspective. Very interesting. So, and so you yeah. never saw the hustle. No, she did. I, I did. Yeah. Like I saw the hustle. I saw... What her parents I saw my parents right. go to school, like go to university again, even though they came to Canada with degrees while working full-time jobs, while shuffling me to piano lessons and my dad finishing homework for his engineering degree and then selling computers. This wasn't keep you, like he was selling computers out of the house and then he had a repair computer, you know, like I saw them do all these things to achieve their goals, you know? So yeah. 
That's amazing. It's, interesting. it's definitely created this, the drive in me for sure. Okay. So I have to re-ask the question that you just explained because somehow I lost it during this tri- this conversation, but like, so because you're seeing the hustle, that is, you know, like, so what you guys just explained, I kind of lost the connection points, but like, as you're seeing your parents hustle during this time, that is what? That makes you feel, I'll speak only for myself and then you can also share. Okay. <laughs> that, like, I was like, should his wife go first or should I go first? <laughs> I'll make mine quick. <laughs> I want to know all about your nonprofit jewelry line and all kinds of things and travel. There's lots to talk about, but it's that like, because we were witness to our parents' journey and the intensity of how hard they work, that there's almost more of a feeling of like, oh gosh, I came into this situation with some extra gifts, but have I hustled enough? Have I earned this versus somebody who maybe didn't see that struggle in their parents? They might not have that same feeling of like guilt around, oh, I just came into this. Was that what you meant? Yeah, totally. And also that my parents say this a lot and you hear that this is the whole like refugee immigrant mentality where they build the foundation and then they expect their children to do greater than that because they've built the foundation. And so they, my mom says like, we've created this foundation. And my dad says so that you could stand on our shoulders. So we came to Canada with nothing. They came with $800 in their pocket and now they own like four homes. Right. So now their expectation is, well, we've created this so that when you go to university, you can be comfortable and then you get a great job. And then you can also own four homes and own real estate. And so you also, yeah, for me, it's that 16. you don't succeed. I mean, right. if you want to really get technical about it, but right. I mean, it's just, it's all relative, but it's like, have I met their like, am I hustling hard enough to meet their expectations? If like, if I have to do greater than them, right? What do you think? And there's no have to, but it's like, <laughs> do you like, like, I'm like touching a- myself as I'm speaking out loud. I'm like, oh my God, I can like pick up all these. Like, I could go to counseling and they're like, but you don't have to, you don't have to be like your parents. But then how does that, <laughs> how does that mindset play into, like, I don't know when you and Michael met, so it's, like, how does that play into a, a musician who has a public audience, you know, as well? Because now you're, it's, I don't want to say it's like you're marrying your parents, right? But it's like, they're, it's the same because he's hustling. But like the hustle of becoming a musician who's well known and has an audience. And then all of a sudden you're like, how does that play out in from the relationship perspective? for you as well, because you also said you didn't want to just like build your jewelry line or you didn't want to have the, you didn't want, or the thought was, is like not have the jewelry line because you're Michael Franti's wife or girlfriend. Yeah. I mean, he, Michael is one of the hardest working people I know. Like he works 24 hours a day. He's an incredibly hard worker and I'm also a hard worker. Right. And so that brought us together because we have very similar drives and the way our work ethic and goals that we want to achieve. But I wanted to be able to prove myself that I'm not successful because I married someone who's created a career that's 25 years old and I'm just going to jump on the bandwagon. You know, it's that I came in, I'm very capable. I was a successful nurse. You know, I was a leader in my community. And now as I've moved into his world, I can also be a leader without having to fall on him for validation 
So, you know, when I started the jewelry line, Michael kept saying like, make jewelry for me, like make my merch. And I was like, no, I'm like, you have to pay me. I'm not doing that. Like you can sign a contract (laughs) and I'm going to charge you wholesale. The same I charge everyone else. Maybe I'll cut you a deal on the design fee, but like, no. And this is how much you have to sell it for. And then he started saying, well, why don't you put your jewelry on my website? And I was like, no, because I want my own website. I want people to come to my store and it has my creation and it's what I want it to be. It's not what we are. It's what I am. Now, five years later, that's changed, right? Because now I'm married. I feel more comfortable in our relationship. I've been able to establish myself as to who I want to be in the world, how we can work together. So now I'm like, shit, why not? I'll just do it so that I don't have to do my fulfillment when we're paying that company to fulfill. I'll just, why not put a different tab on that website and just put Zara Lua on there and we'll just scale it. But that's growth, right? So that for me, like I can look at myself and say, okay, so now I feel more secure in myself and what I've achieved and where I'm going. And I see the wisdom in it where before it didn't feel right. And that's okay. It is okay. It's like such Mm -hmm. a timing thing. And I think, you know, hearing your story about that, even though it's such a small part of your story, like there is that piece of, your self-worth grew. And as our self-worth grows, then it's almost like we are ready to accept more help because we're not trying to prove something anymore. We're already like, no, 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 I'm worthy of this. Totally. And something as little as, I mean, this is so, this stuff might sound so silly, like people listen to it, but it's like, you know, my husband's like, your Instagram should say, handle should be at Sarah Franti. And I was like, no. It's at Sara Fronti because that's who I am. And he's like, but you know, in some articles you say you're Sara Fronti and some you say Sara Aga. He's like, you should just do that. And, you know, and so it's this like internal, like, yes, pull and like, what, like, how do I not lose myself? But you want to also feel like you're a family, you know, like you're a team, like we're team Fronti Aga, you know, like that was like our wedding, like <laughs> hashtag or whatever people do. And so And I think that's my biggest struggle as being like a woman in the world. And I think some, Mike, you kind of touched on too. It's like, how do you maintain your individuality, but not create a wall between you and your partner? Mm. Like you stay in union and in partnership and not in resentment, you know, because, you know, you guys are a team. So I don't know. We're still working it out. <laughs> totally. That's the day, right? It's the billion that dollar business. Is, that is like, yeah. that's the journey. <laughs> I want to know what, can you tell me about what the inspiration for your jewelry line came from and how that was birthed? Yeah. So I worked as a nurse full time for eight years and I was doing ER nursing and I moved to California to travel nurse. We should and talk I got about to- her. I, I mean, if we had more time, like the nursing stories were amazing. Yeah. So- they're crazy. <laughs> There, you asked the question, sorry to cut you off, but that's okay. you asked a question about how we actually met Oh yeah, and I never answered it, but we, we had a speaking gig, both of us for this event in Richmond, Virginia. And then I met Sara there. Right. And then I heard a lot more of her story. She gave an epic keynote and <laughs> in the blistering sun. <laughs> yeah. In the sun. And then we were on a panel together and then I attended her workshop the day before the epic keynote talked oh. about mindfulness and kind of her journey of growth, like just experiencing it as a workaholic, as well as kind of balancing it out and yeah, together with your partner and et cetera. So yeah. So anyway. yeah. All right. yeah. And when he came to the workshop, I had everyone go around and say like why they were here. And his response was, 
we have a mutual friend and she told me to come and I didn't want to be rude and say, well, who was your mutual friend? So I was just kind of like, Oh, okay. Like, that's great. I'm like, Oh my God, who was that? <laughs> and that was Danielle Laporte. It was no. Danielle Laporte, which I heard, no. I think I asked you the next day or that night or something. I was like, who is your mutual friend? But the jewelry was something that, you know, as I was working as a nurse, you do 12 hour shifts and you're so exhausted and people always say, Oh, nurses have it so easy. Cause they only work like, what is it like 12 shifts a month, you know, out of the whole month, but you're so exhausted that when your day's off, it takes so much longer for you to recover. But I had this group of friends in this city. This was in Saskatoon, Canada, who were all artists. So one was a painter, one was a filmmaker, one was an architect, you know, they did design and they'd always say, Sarah, what's your creative outlet? And I was like, mm, watching Netflix when I come home from work. <laughs> and so I was like, you know, I really, you know, I really should do something. And so I was making jewelry as a hobby and I was making these bracelets, which I still see some people wearing, which is really sweet. And they're like the OGs of Sara Lua designs, but the nurses that I worked with would buy them and wear them and they called them their positivity bracelets. Mm. And for me, I am terrible at creating strong habits, I guess. Like, I don't want to say setting a goal and reaching the goal, but they're very specific. Like, if I say I'm not going to eat sugar for three days, I'm going to break that thing in six hours. Cause I forget, like I actually forget. And then after I eat the piece of chocolate, I'm like, Oh my gosh, I just, I couldn't even remember that this was one of my goals. So I really have to surround myself with things that remind me of who I want to be. So whatever that is. So I was creating these bracelets because working in an ER, you could get really negative very quickly. And it's a big, big dark hole. So I'd go to work and I'd like put on my favorite song and my headphones as I walked to work. And so these bracelets were this positivity reminder of just to stay in your goodness when everything is hitting the fan. And then when I moved to California to travel nurse, I kind of, I went on Etsy. I did the whole Etsy thing. And it's, I, I'm sure you guys remember the first time someone who didn't know anything about you purchased your first product or maybe yeah. signed up for your first course. And I remember someone in Michigan bought my first pair of earrings. I specifically remember like opening the mailbox and I was like, oh, you should never forget this moment. Cause this is the first time that like someone who knows nothing about you actually purchased something that you've made. But I closed shop and I moved to California and I did travel nursing in Bakersfield for one contract and I totally burnt out. It was one of my most challenging experiences. And during that time, Michael and I became in partnership, boyfriend and girlfriend. And he was like, you're so burnt out. Why don't you take some time off nursing and do all the things that you wanted to do, but couldn't do because you were so burnt out. So he was like, why don't you just reopen Sara Lua? And so... I started that up again and we would go to Bali and they did a lot of work with bamboo. And so I was doing some of my own products with bamboo and it was really about creating pieces that reminded people to be their best selves. So we have a mantra at home and it's the mantra that I base my jewelry business on and it's be your best, serve the greater good, rock out wherever you are. So be serve rock. So everything that I created is to sort of reflect that mantra, but every wearer or user of my pieces that would mean something unique to them. So whatever journey they're on. So that's the quick, that's the quick and dirty kind of felt like a long and dirty, but that's the quick and dirty. of. <laughs> that's beautiful. That's awesome. And then when you're design, like, how do you design jewelry? I have no idea. Like, do you just well, sit around and be like, I want a necklace or earring that looks like this. And then you draw it out. And then you like, how does it come from a idea to a finished product? 
Well, that's the thing. Like, I don't consider myself a jewelry designer. I don't even consider myself an artist, which my husband's always stopping me. He's like, but you do, you create, like you do graphic design. But it's mostly just finding pieces that you like and then making it your own, you know, because we find inspiration all over, you know, everywhere that we look, we find inspiration. And so it's just finding pieces or finding things that inspire you and incorporating them into something that you could wear. The dog tags, which if you go online, you don't actually see right now because I was actually making them myself and painting them and putting them together. And then I don't have the time to do it right now. So, but those were the things where I would put quotes that really inspired me or designs or colors that made me feel a certain way. But now I have bracelets. I'm actually wearing a bracelet right now and it has 19 beads on it. And I call it the renewal bracelet because one in nine is like from beginning to end. Mm. And so it's just like little things, like little reminders that can be beautiful and don't are not in your face, you know? So it's not like this massive peace sign because I want peace in the world. You know, it's just something really subtle that you can just look at when you're going about your day. So yeah, that's kind of what inspires me to make the pieces, but I don't do metal work. Like, you know, I'll be wearing like a gold piece that my parents got from Iran and they're like, oh, did you make that? I'm like, no, I just do beaded jewelry. <laughs> you know, I don't do metal work, but all of it's great. And I, and I always tried to keep my price point low too, which is important because I wanted it to be something that you didn't have to really think about, mm-hmm. that it was just something that you could just bring into your life really easily. So, so Yeah. Yeah. So I guess I am technically a jewelry designer, but I don't really see myself that way. (laughs) Is that, is that like me being really hard on myself? Is that kind of like what we talked about at the beginning? I don't think so. I mean, I don't think so. I think identity and calling ourselves things is such a tricky, you know, I was driving home today for this interview and I was thinking about this woman I know who her email address is Mrs. And then her last name. And she's like a couple years older than me. And I was thinking like, wow, that's such an interesting thing to make your email address the identity of, we'll just call her Mrs. Smith. That's not her name. Yeah. Mrs. Smith. And I was like, I wonder if she feels like a Mrs. Like, does she really at, you know, 38 or whatever feel like that identity? Because I have never really felt much older than like 12. And... (laughs) So when anyone calls me misses anything, I'm like, who is that? And then just like, it's kind of, you know, the identities that we put on and the longer, I don't know, I believe that the longer, the more we identify as something, the more that limits our ability to grow, to expand, to be open to new things. So, I mean, I love that you're just like, well, I have a jewelry business, but you're not, you know, making yourself a certain thing. It's so funny. So yesterday I followed Marie Forleo, who I'm sure we all love. And she put out this video and she was answering a question that was like, what was something that you wish you knew before? And now, you know, and it was that she was explaining that she spent so many years trying to create this title, but she was a bartender and a hip hop dancer and a Nike fit instructor. And I was like, that's me because, and she explained that how she would almost, she would cry to her partner about how she couldn't create like an umbrella. And I have the exact same issue right now where I go, Michael, like, what am I? Like, everyone's like, well, what do you do? And then it makes me feel inadequate because even though I'm doing so much, 
that I can't just put it in a clean little phrase. Like people go, so what do you do? Like, so do you travel all the time with your husband? Like that must be so much fun going on tour all the time. And I just feel like punching someone. (laughs) 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 Like I'm like, actually, I'm a grad student and I'm almost done my master's in public health. I'm oh, the chief really? strategy officer and co-founder. Yeah. It's like co-founder do for love. I run the marketing and the alt like of our hotel in Bali. I oversee all of my husband's merch. I'm trying to run my jewelry business, but unfortunately it's like at the bottom of the list. And so it's like, so how do you, how do you put that all in a little thing without sounding like you're bragging? Right. Cause then someone's like, Oh, She's just bragging because she does so much. <laughs> but yeah, so it's about titles. So you just have to let those go. Like people don't do that. There's so few people in the world who just do one thing now. It's so, so. true. It's true. And even the people that like, let's say they had a job for 30 years or whatever, they most likely did something besides just work at that job. Totally. You know, but we're defining ourselves based off that one thing. Like it was funny because you asked that question about like, do I think I'm hard on myself? I mean, this book I haven't read yet, but Tim Ferriss wrote this book called the tribe of mentors. I mean, he has like four of these books. These are 600 pages long. Right. And he's written like four or five of them. And he says he doesn't consider himself a writer. And I'm, I look at this and I'm like, you know, me writing a paragraph. It was like, uh, whatever. But he's like, I don't consider myself a writer. And I was like, wow, it's so interesting because he considers like, John McPhee. I don't know if you know who this guy, yeah. is. I, but they consider him a writer or these other folks that are like diehard writers. And he's like, I consider myself a teacher, you know, and I'm a teacher of life based off my experiments of life. And I was like, that's a cool way to look at it. That is interesting. Yeah. So it's like, yeah. if, like if there's a way to phrase, I don't know, like a sentence that eventually we could tell ourselves to be like, I'm an experimenter of life, but it's not even necessary. That's what I want to do. Like, I want to say when someone says, what do you do? I want to say something like I'm a positive life enthusiast or, you know, something like that, you know, so that it almost makes people question, well, what it like, tell me more. I think you should be, I'm Sara Franti. I'm a positive life enthusiast. Enthusiast. And on the side, I'm an amateur jewelry designer. Well, and an amateur organizer. paid for it. It's not amateur. You're a professional. No, amateur No, because there's, well, there's like the minor league baseball players, right? They get paid, but they get paid. Yeah. So that's what I consider amateur. I don't think you would consider yourself an amateur. Or I'm Um, a minor league jewelry designer. (laughs) Oh my God. Jewelry is my tool. I like it. It's a tool for getting the word out about things that you believe in. Yeah. And then, so I also want to know about the work that you do with your nonprofit. Can you talk to us about how that was formed and, and what you guys are up to? Yeah. So the to do for love is what it's called. And it's like, it's like make a wish foundation, but for live music and for adults as well. So we send adults and children who are living in end stages of life threatening illness, children with severe challenges or trauma and wounded veterans to live shows. So you could write us and say, my mom has stage four breast cancer. This might be her last show. I'm just going through a really tough time, but the Dixie chicks are what get her through her chemo and they're coming through town and we want to take her. So we'll send her plus three caregivers, family members, friends, the show. We'll try to get them a meet and greet, really make it a memorable experience. Wow. So cool. And the reason how it came to be was really because when Michael and I, because I'm a very logical person, when we wanted to decide, cause we were friends for a long time. We wanted to decide we were going to move to boyfriend and girlfriend, actually getting married because we knew we wanted to get married right away but we sat down at a table and I actually talked about it. And I actually said like, I want to do things in partnership with you 
And we both agreed, like we both felt the same way. And so we just know what it would look like, but do it for the love really came to be because of that. It was my way of bringing in healthcare and his music into creating something, which really is, has grown bigger than Michael and I, which is the best thing, which is what you always want. But we met this couple, Hope and Steve December, and Steve was diagnosed with ALS a couple years prior to meeting him. And they have a really beautiful love story. And they were at the Wani Festival in Florida and Michael was playing. It was in April, 2013. And they were tweeting at Michael saying, Steve really wants to meet you. Your music really inspires him. And Michael was retweeting certain things. So the day before he's like, you know, you saw those retweets I was doing. He's like, we're going to meet that couple tomorrow. And because I'm a nurse and I'm always curious of the story, I went on their website and they have the website Hope for Steve, which is so like, what a great name, right? And it just showed their love story and how they met and, so the next day we meet Steve, he's now in a wheelchair and we can only read his lips. And we brought them out to the side of the stage during the show. And then Michael has a song, Life is Better With You, which he wrote for me, which is really sweet. And he invited them out onto the stage and he introduced Steve as Steve. Now this is the last day of the festival. And he was always just seen as like the guy in the wheelchair. Like we're all guilty of it, you know? And now he was able to introduce him for the individual that he is and not the disability that he's living with. And I'm crying and like, 20,000 people in the audience are crying and Michael's playing this song and Steve whispers to Hope, I want to get up and dance. And there's this beautiful photo and Hope, who's this really tall, beautiful woman, like lifts him up. And it's just this really powerful moment. And so we went home that night and we were like, we could do this for thousands of people. And so that's how we sort of do it for the love. We're now just over four years old. We've done almost 1400 wishes And yeah, it's been really awesome. And, you know, within that year of starting Do For The Love, Michael's son was diagnosed with a chronic kidney condition called FSGS, which will eventually put him into failure and he'll need a transplant. And then two days later, my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer. And so we automatically became Do For The Love families. And as a nurse, I studied the theory that illness is family-centered. I knew the theory. I knew that it extends past the individual But it wasn't until I became my mom's caregiver, who is now in remission and she's healthy, that I really understood what that meant and how draining it was. Because as a nurse, I left after 12 hours and I was able to go do something else. But when you're a caregiver, it's 24 hours, there's emotions. And so we really wanted to make sure, which is why we send up to four people to a show, is to acknowledge the caregivers on this journey. And oftentimes we stay in touch with family members. If the recipients pass away, we'll stay in touch with them. We'll see them at different shows. And we keep that connection going because, you know, they also have their own journey that they have gone on. So it's been really awesome. So for a long time, I was the board chair and I, but I was part of the day to day because it was, you know, my thing. And so about six months ago, I moved into a formal position of chief strategy officer to work directly with the staff. That's been really great too. And it's because we've just been growing everyone's like, what are your trends? You know, you're four years old. What are your trends? And I'm like, well, we've grown exponentially every year. Like that's our trend. Every year we're raising more money, we're granting more wishes. So it was really important as a board, we decided that I would just come on onto a more day-to-day position, which is really just part-time, but just to establish things that we just didn't have time to do. So like a press deck or a branding book or, you know, so that as we continue to grow and bring more people on the team, it's really clear what we want our message to be in the world and it doesn't get lost in the fast paced growth. Yeah. It's been really, really beautiful and everything happens for a reason. It's such a cliche statement, but I really believe it. I think do it for the love came into our lives because 
we were going to be going through this journey with our own family members and meeting these other family members who've gone through it really gave us strength to put to push through with our own family and with my mom and Michael's son and so it's been really special. Thank you for that. That was beautiful. I cry awesome. hearing that story. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. It is beautiful. <laughs> it is super beautiful. And that song we know quite well because it was the song that we walked out of our wedding to. Did I know that? Did you tell me that, Mike? No, oh you did not God. know this. Yeah. That's so, so awesome. That's I love of, that. one of our special songs as well. Obviously, it's a little more of a special song for you guys. <laughs> but it's you know, it's so, I'm when, sure it's had a lot of weddings. It's so gorgeous. I love it. Well, that. whenever people say that, it just makes me feel so happy because it is, it's a really beautiful song and the message is so real. You know, life's not perfect. And I don't know if, any, if people are listening who haven't heard the song. It's some days are better than other days. But these, but these days, life is better with you. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> it's Don't quote song. me on it. People are going to be like, sorry, I didn't even know her husband's own song. But can anyway. You, can you but, sing it for us right now? No. You and Kay could sing. <laughs> yeah. I sing that one song. <laughs> <laughs> that's the one song you sing. <laughs> the, the, that's like the other thing I get a lot. People always go, so do you want to be a singer? I'm like, don't you want to be a singer? And I'm like, no. But because they just assume because Michael's a singer, but I do sometimes Michael will embarrass me and he'll invite me out. I'll sing that one song with him. Okay. Well, that's fair. Yeah. I mean, it's a song about, you know, about you. So you have to sing it. And it's so true. Like he says before he sings, he's like, I wrote the song the day after Valentine's Day. And like, that's all true. Like we went to Bali. We had this amazing Valentine's Day. It was epic like we got donuts made like shaped like hearts and we drove to the beach and we chartered our own little snorkeling boat and it was at dusk and so all the fish were feeding and it was perfect and I don't know what the hell we were fighting about the next morning but we woke up and we just I can't even remember what it was I just remember like crying I don't even remember what we were arguing about and that's when he wrote that song and so that's like real life, dude. Like yeah. people always say, are you guys happy? And then Michael jokes, he goes, we're 100% happy 90% of the time. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, and that's so true, real. Though. You know, it's, it's like, so true. Such a sum up of a uh, relationship. Oh, yeah. I feel like if anyone says their relationship is perfect, I'm like, you're lying. So there's no such thing as perfect. There's you know? something about Valentine's Day because I remember when Kate and I got together, I told her I was like, I don't celebrate Valentine's Day anymore because I had two previous relationships that ended the day on February 14th and February 15th. And I was just like, I just don't do Valentine's Day anymore. And she was just like, what? Yeah, it was- Oh, I was like, that's fine by me. Yeah. And then- Did she turn that around though? Do you guys celebrate or no? Is it still like an X on the calendar? We often go to the movies- which these Usually days like with a toddler is like a really big deal. Make it to the movies. Yeah. It's awesome. I would say there's like, <laughs> it's not like an epic thing. You Never. know, it's just not. Yeah. No. We're pretty big on birthdays. We do big celebrations on birthdays. birthdays. And then our anniversary is always a pretty big deal. Yeah. But yeah. the rest That's of the a- year is we like. We like to celebrate just like. I don't know, Valentine's Day just, and I think also in Maine, like, you know, it's like the depth of winter. It's, it's yeah. like, I don't know. It's cold. Yeah. And we also, like, 
you know, one thing with us is that we spend a lot of time together and we spend a lot of time together outside, you know, just going on dates individually without the kids or we set aside at least once a month. Usually we're out on a overnight by ourselves and somebody's watching Penelope at this moment. And yeah, so we get a lot of time during the year as well where we get those. So it's not, we don't have to like have the dedicated day or. Yeah. Uh, yeah, totally. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, I have a question for you regarding, is it cool if I change topic? Yeah. I'm curious for you to go from a nurse to, you know, an entrepreneur, you know, yeah. in that journey, like, was it a huge adjustment for you to just be like, okay, I'm fully responsible for everything I do at this moment in time. <laughs> That's a big fat. Yes. Because <laughs> yeah. you know, the nights that I was talking about earlier about being depressed and like, crying myself to did I ever say that crying myself to sleep that was my transition you know because I mean being a nurse is the greatest privilege I've ever been able to experience in my life and I'm considering going back and just casually doing some bedside nursing because mm. I miss that connection and that I was able to have with people but being an entrepreneur like you go to work as your nurse, you do 12 hours, you get your paycheck, you know where the money's coming from, you know what about it will be, you know how much you're contributing to your savings. And then all of a sudden, it's like, there's nothing coming in, you know, and you don't know how much you're going to make. But as soon as you see that your hustle, like the greater your hustle, the greater the reward, whether that's financially or otherwise, that was really rewarding. I don't really know where my entrepreneurial spirit came from, to be honest, because I mean, no one at my family, even my extended family, are business owners. Everyone's like, I mean, we're Persian. Everyone's a doctor, a nurse, I mean, a dentist, you know, a lawyer. And I'm one of the first. Um, Can I add something there? Yeah. You had parents that like left a country and restarted their entire life in a new one. Which is pretty entrepreneurial. Which is pretty entrepreneurial. (laughs) That is, that is, that is. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, you got me, you got me. (laughs) Now you're making me feel like a really crappy daughter. No, it's just, no, it's not, it's, I don't think it's. Well, I will tell you something though. That transition was by necessity. Yes. Right. Because they were out of their country, their visas are, I mean, that's like a big story, but it was also out of necessity, but you're right. It was very entrepreneurial. But it, I it, think it, a lot of times, a- like one of the biggest mistakes with business or entrepreneurial, we think like that's an entrepreneurial tendency, right? And that's something that is, because there's, that's a very entrepreneurial spirit thing to do. It's like, it's a necessity, but then there's also people that have probably left and not had the success. Like your parents, the story you just shared about your parents, like they really created a success for themselves and wanted to do that for, and so we think about like, oh, you have to run a business to be quote unquote, an entrepreneur. And the reality of starting from nothing to something is in creating something, whether it's working for someone else or whether it's running your own business, but yeah. And I mean, it's a big, yeah, for sure. I mean, I think you're right. I, I think my drive for sure came from them and seeing them work hard. And, but now I get anxiety. It's funny because when I worked as a nurse, you'd have to pick your vacation days six months out. And I'd get this really, I'd get anxiety because I'm like, well, I don't know what's going to be happening. In my yeah, totally. And so now it's like, I get anxiety thinking about having to work for someone else and asking for vacation. I'm like, I don't want to have to ask for someone if I want to take that day off. And I love the fact that I can go to the dentist in the middle of the day and but then the downside is that you're working 24 hours a day. You actually have no time off. 
because even when you're on vacation, you have to consciously decide, am I not going to answer those emails or not? And that may impact my business in a certain way, you know? So that's been something that I've been really thinking about now that I've been in this like lifestyle for three or four years. It's like, well, what's the shift I want to make? And it's so funny because Michael and I were actually exchanging texts yesterday about actually Danielle put out a post that said like 17 things I did. Yeah, it was great. I loved that post. He actually sent me a screenshot of it and I wrote like question mark. Like, I'm like, what are you trying to say? And he's like, the start of every letter spells, like every phrase spells Sarah. Cause it said like, start something, adjust something. And I was, he's like, that's why I sent it to you. And I'm like, oh, that's so oh, funny. Read the article. How <laughs> like, sweet that he even noticed that though. I know. I know. I guess he's a writer, right? They noticed those things. Danielle but- was subliminally trying to message you. <laughs> Well, the funny thing is that I haven't read the whole thing yet, but in it, it says that she, I guess she took cell phones out of her bedroom and I've been trying to convince Michael. Like I actually went and bought an alarm clock one point this year so that I got rid of the cell phone. It didn't stick, but he actually, he's like, you know, I think we should do that. And I was like, that's great. You know, I want to build more tradition in our family. And I know you guys, like I listened to your last podcast and you guys talking about traditions that you guys have created with your own family. But I was like, I want us to create more tradition I want us, you know, our team works out of our house. I want them out oh, of our wow. house. You know, like they come to our house every morning at nine and I, and they will stay until we want to keep working. So sometimes there will be someone in our home until midnight. And I was telling Michael, like, I want us to create a family unit and I want to keep that sacred. So I want our team out of our house, like after six. And I want us to have dinner together. And I want us to have movie nights with no cell phones in our hands. And that takes concrete, like that takes conscious work and you have to set like really strong boundaries. Cause it's really easy. I'm sure you guys have experienced it. You could just work all the time if you wanted to, you know, and yeah. you could, but it'll kill you. Yeah. I think I kind of marriage. feel it. <laughs> Over time. I mean, we actually, one of the ideas that Mike had when we, so we bought a spec house, but there were a couple of customizations that we could do. And Mike came up with the idea of having a charging drawer in our kitchen. So there's a drawer right by the fridge that we plug in our phones every night and close the drawer and then we go upstairs. And so that's been huge. Actually, we haven't had phones in our bedroom for years, but the charging drawer is just like an official we, we've mm-hmm. always charged them in the kitchen, but I loved that Dee was taking her phone out of the bedroom. And I also, I think that it's like really, it's one of those things. Once you set that habit in place, you will never want to go back because the spaciousness that you feel at night and in the morning of not having the pull to go look at something is really juicy. And just like, you can really be with you and you can really be with your partner. But I love, I can't believe you have your whole team work at your house. Where do they work? Yeah, in our kitchen. Really? In a big table. We've actually we actually painted. This is amazing. We're doing renos right now, and I'm hoping to move everyone into like the studio. Like Michael has his own studio, and but I mean, it's not many. I mean, we have two people. I mean, we have someone who helps us create content, which we need. We want them around, right? So we can, you know, shoot different things. And then we have our assistant who works out of our house that we need, but. I think it's really convenient. And I've also had, like, I used to feel really, like, I feel embarrassed. Like if they were there working at nine and I was still like laying in bed, I was probably be on my phone, like answering emails. And I'd be like, oh my gosh, I have to be up. But then also I realized I'm like, okay, this is my workflow. 
they're on my team. I pay them to do a certain thing. They need to be here. And I, for specific reason, it's like, I'm going to do me. I'm going to work out what I want. I'm not going to feel embarrassed that I'm going to go and work out at 11 while they're working. And so that, that was a big transition for me too. But I think the biggest thing, which again, I'm still learning is just setting boundaries and figuring out it's like, what's the life I want to live and what boundaries do I have to set to do that? One big thing, I actually got really sick this summer, which might kind of hurt about, but I got really sick because I was working full-time and I was doing a full-time practicum and I went into the doctor and I just thought I was just tired because I was working so hard and I actually was physically ill. I'd walking pneumonia. And, mm. and so I was like, okay, Michael, like you do you, you want to work till two in the morning. That's great. I'm not doing that anymore. And I'd actually put my computer away and I would watch TV. Like I'd make myself, I'm like, I'm done at six o'clock. I'm done working for the night. You can keep working if you want, but I'm done. And I'm going to watch a movie and it was really good. And so, but I think it'll be really great when we can do that together. So 2018. <laughs> so that's on the docket for 2018 movie nights. Yeah. And you guys really inspired me because you guys were saying how you guys do this like recap and review of the last year. And I was telling Michael, I'm like, we should do that. Not just about our businesses, but about our relationship. Yeah. You know? That's one of our categories. Yeah. So it's like, let's just do it. And it's like, not a negative thing. It's not to nitpick, but it's just like, how did we feel? And like, what do we want to do for next year to feel different? So. Yeah. It's having that space that allows, you know, it's like to create more of the 90% happiness, right. Of yeah. your relationship that you mentioned earlier, where it has to be an open vessel like that. It's not criticized time, right. Or nitpick time. It's just like, okay, this didn't go well this year, which is cool. That gives us time, you know, it's something that we can work on together or I'm not happy about this situation or something that took place. So yeah, it's really, it's good. And that's a big thing about not nitpicking, which I had to learn because now I manage a lot of people where I didn't have to do that in my previous career. So, you know, when I first started, I did nitpick. It was about like, it was almost like, I want to make you feel bad about what you did wrong so that you never want to feel bad about that anymore. And then I realized, but that actually exerts, takes more energy from me than them. And it's more about, okay, this is what happened. So now I've been able to realize like whether it's in my relationship or with my team or anyone that I'm working alongside with, it's like, okay, this is what happened and we're not happy about it, but let's not focus on why that went wrong. Let's focus on what we can do so that doesn't happen again. That was like a big transition for me too. when you know, just moving into being a business owner and having a team that, you know, you're trying to keep motivated and inspired to work with your flow. And it's hard. It's hard. I mean, a lot of times people say, oh, you're so lucky. Like, you know, cause Instagram, you put all your fun stuff, right? Cause you never want to be like the Debbie Downer. And so it's like, oh, you went to this party and that party. And I'm like, yeah, but I, I was working at that event, you know, like I was there to network, you know, it takes your energy and I love my life. I love the life that I live right now. And I think no life is perfect, but it's just acknowledging that and figuring out exactly what you said. It's like, well, what didn't make you feel that good? And like, what are we going to do to just change it instead of focusing on why the why is so. Yeah. I think that's a really interesting perspective shift because especially like in an over-psychologized culture, we can get really into the why behind why it happened. And I do think that that's important because sometimes if you identify the why, then you can prevent it from happening again. But oftentimes it's a systematic problem, like especially if you're working in your foundation or with your jewelry company or, you know, with Soul Shine or whatever, it's like 
we want to have the systems set up to support our team to do their best. And oftentimes if there's, at least we found like if there's something falling apart, sometimes it's a problem with the person, but oftentimes it's a problem with the system. Right. Yeah. So then we can look at solving it together as opposed to like you suck, which isn't helping anybody. (laughs) And I love systems and I kind of blame it on my nursing career. Like my husband hates systems. He hates policy and protocol and I just like love it. Like I get off That's on it. Hilarious. <laughs> Is that kind of like you guys are? Protocols for your house. I would love like a systematic operating procedure, like for our home. I actually have made a list for whoever comes and like works in our home. Like this is what I like to have done That's because funny. then it stops the whole like, and I like to ask questions and you know, when I, when I was working in the ER and I just started, it's like, they have this whole expression, like nurses eat their young, but now I see it differently because if you come from a place of compassion, it's different. And I think that was the one thing that was lacking. So more senior nurses would come and say, Oh, your patient has abdominal pain. Okay. You like did the blood work. Now what? Like, so now you have the blood work. Now what? And it was always now what? Like, and it caused me to, that was my critical thinking. So sometimes I'm really hard on people when they're not like on it and they're not critically thinking because I'm like, well, now what? You have the information. Now, what are you going to do with the information? But it's creating that culture. And so when you have systems in place, it helps people flow along the like, now what? And it's also really easy to identify where the gap is. So sometimes I'll ask a lot of questions, but I'll preface it with, I'm just trying to understand where it didn't work. So I'm just going to ask a bunch of questions just to understand how, and first people get really defensive and they're like, Oh my God, she's trying to like put me in a corner. And I'm like, I'm just trying to figure out where was the gap? Like where along the line did the system break, you know? And then we can figure out like, how do we fix it? Or then I'm able to identify internally if it's the person or if I need to do something more to support them. So like with everything I do, I'm like, let's create a system. Like, let's just have it like really clear so that we can just, it's so much easier to solve the problems, and it just drives my husband nuts. And so, <laughs> so I've taken the lead on that and it's why I do what I do now because we are able to identify what my strengths are versus he, he's like the creative, like he's never had a plan B ever. And I'm like, well, what's the plan B? He's like, I've never had a plan B. You just make plan A work. And I was like, okay, that's awesome. That's totally not me. I'll just let you run with that. And I'll just like make my own plan B that you don't know anything about. But <laughs> I love it. And then you always, then you can manipulate it into plan A. But if plan A, you know, is not working, you're like, you're right. Plan A worked. It was no problem. <laughs> or you just make suggestions. But we go, we go to Bali every Christmas. So we're going to do our... Um, we have a hotel and a retreat center there. So we're going to do our annual recap there. We'll take, we'll that's take like awesome. a day to do that. So yeah. That's great. We're, yeah. That's something we plan out every year for at least a day, if not a few. And it's super fun. It's mm-hmm. one of my favorite times of the year. Cause also just, you go back through your calendar and it's like, wow, you just appreciate the richness of your life. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited that's to true. hear how you like doing that. That's going to be awesome. And then we have one notebook. So it's this thick book. Yeah. That's kept, I think we've had it for four years now. This will be the fourth year or fifth year or something, but it'll eventually run out of space, of course, then we'll go. But yeah, you can look back. So we'll look back like and look at what happened in 2016 because you forget and you're like, wow, that was cool. So do you set goals? Like give me an example of one, just, you know, just to like help me in my process. Like give me an example of 
something that maybe didn't quite feel as good and then a change that? Well, like one year we moved to Maine. So in 2012, we moved to Maine after traveling together for a year. And then I remember, I think for 2013, one of our intentions was to create more community because we were just, we were new yeah. in town. I think that was, uh, so like that's, three, I think that was three years in a row. Yeah. Because we okay. were gone for the first three years we lived here. I think we were gone more than we were actually in Maine. Yeah. We traveled. So a lot. it's really hard to create like local community when you're not here. Yeah. So that's like, that's an example, but we don't do like a ton of goals because like a little bit we do, but I don't know. I kind of prefer to just have like a theme for the year yeah, and then just yeah. use that as my compass. Do you do that? Yeah. I mean, we've used our mantra kind of as our theme. One yeah. year was, we did kind of like almost like a vision board. We wrote like words on post-it notes, you know? And so one was like professional family yeah. um, giving back. And then for our family, it was honoring our friends. Mm-hmm. And it had a lot to do with what you said. Like we traveled so much that we weren't able to connect with our friends we have a great community in San Francisco. And so a lot of times as if we were home, like we hosted a party over Thanksgiving, like a big raging party. And so it was a way to connect with our friends or we had a big birthday party or we made sure we kept that night open to go to our friend's home for dinner. Who's been asking us to come over for the last year. So honoring our friends is one. So I like that. Yeah. Yeah. So we, for each category, we'd say what went well and what did not go well. Yeah. So like, Kate's overall well-being for this year was what went well, what did not go well. And then based off that, what didn't go well, usually then we break it down into desires and intentions for the next year. So mm-hmm. it's not necessarily like quote unquote goals, but it but is. But then we'll put like an income goal and we'll yeah. put an audience growth goal and we'll put, you know, we, we'll put some goals. Yeah, we'll but, put the intentions for what that's going to be. But, it's but not I never like, look back at them until no. the next year. So I don't. <laughs> It's like, you know, all the personal growth people are like, oh, read your goals every single day, whatever, and once a year. This is kind of the, here's the intentions for 2017. Spaciousness is number one on the list. And do less. Simplify and streamline our business. Clear content calendar, social media plan. So those are like the first top four. And those all got done. Like there's definitely more spaciousness. We definitely did less. Well, kind of. We did. We simplified and streamlined our business, which allowed the do less process. Mm-hmm. And then we created the clear content calendar because you're planned out for like your, like until you're I'm planned out through for, August. Yeah. For like six mm-hmm. months out. So yeah. 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 So that's kind of what, so that's, yeah. I'm excited to hear how that goes for you. Yeah. I am here. too. I think our first year, I almost want like a mediator to almost like help us mediate through. <laughs> It, it is a, it's a discipline, pro, like it's no. I have like, to have a lot of snacks. Yeah. There's definitely bathroom <laughs> breaks. There's snacks. There's like, you are, we literally plan out three days in the calendar where there's nothing else planned, you know? And so all we have is like computer to look at Google calendar to review everything. And our book. And then the flight tracker for all, like to look at all the hotels and like the amount of miles and trips and all that stuff. And then, yeah, in our book and that's it. And we kind of just. That's amazing. It. Yeah. And it's gotten like, now it's a lot larger because of businesses grown. We now have a kid, you know, so that is, it's become a little bit more dense. Well, life gets more full. Life gets full. Yeah. So, yeah. So for you in 2018, since I know, you know, this episode will come out in 2018, but we're recording this at the end of 2017. What are other, uh, no phone in the bedroom and movie nights, which I love. Do you have any other desires for yourself moving forward in your businesses or in your career or personal life? 
Yeah. I think in our personal life, it's just creating more space for connection. I think setting some boundaries on our workflow, connecting with our families more Mm -hmm. for sure. I want to think of some traditions that we have as part of our family. I really actually get really, when I hear people say like, oh, we do Thanksgiving with so-and-so's family and then we do Christmas with my family and then we rotate. I was like, oh, that's so nice. I want to do that. (laughs) And then personally, I think I really want to get back to developing my own individual audience. And, you know, I've been working on a website and I just have been too afraid of, like, I do so well on working on other people's projects rather than my own. Like I could build someone's website in, in like four hours. I'm like, give me the photos, give me, you know, and I'll create the copy for you. But when it comes to mind, I'll just sit there with total writer's block. And then not being so hard on myself. I think that's the biggest thing. And not demanding so much perfection from myself. That's a lot, huh? Already. And Sounds to be healthy. Like a really good year. Doable. <laughs> yeah. It's all do doable. You, and they all do you work well with like accountability? <sighs> no, I don't know. I don't know if I do because... <laughs> I joined, okay, so I'm trying to like lose some weight and I joined this app called like, because I just kind of got like, I, this Facebook ad came across my thing and it's called the Noom Coach and it's an accountability app because it says that most people who join this program have tried to lose weight and haven't been successful because it's because of behavioral choices or habits. And there's like, you have a coach and a group and I just find it annoying. Like I'm ready to like delete. Like I have five notifications and I think like three emails, like I'm like, like noom coach, five notifications. And I'm just like opening this. I'm just going to delete it. Totally. I think because I'm so hard on myself and I feel, sometimes I feel ashamed that I can't achieve my goals. I like to keep them more internal and maybe just share them with like a couple of people who are close to me and then just like work really hard on them. Cool. So, yeah. I, I'm going to give you a proposition. Okay. Does that work? Are you going to be my accountability coach? Or am I I'm going, to- okay, this is what, I'm not going to be your coach. I'm going to be your accountability partner because I need one. I think it would be beneficial for me because I'm like in the, we talked about this in Richmond where the similarities between like, you know, having a partner who's in the public eye. Right. And so as yeah. I was running our business, like Kate was very public and then what that's like to run the business behind the scenes and et cetera. But I'm also kicking off Mike J Watts really in 2018. So my website with content deliverables and all of that stuff. And I think if we like, if we wanted to like do something together, that way we can hold each other accountable for to just get that piece of content out. So you could do the Sara Franti brand. There's not, like, this doesn't need to be complicated. It's just like you have somebody yes. else that's in the same place where it's like, boom, go. Like, what are we doing Let's this do week? It. What are the things you're doing this week? What are the things I'm doing this week? And it's done. And so okay. we know, so it's outside of our teams. It's outside. We don't really know each other, you know, so it's, <laughs> it allows it. It's just it's simple. Out of your actual world. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> We're on the other side of the country. So oh, I know you guys both so well, right? Like, I feel like we're like lifelong, like friends, you know, when you meet certain people and you can just go, you can just shoot the shit. No problem. Yes. Okay. Let's do it. Okay, great. And I guess, I guess technically should our websites already be up if people are listening 2018? My website's already up. Oh, okay. So you have a a landing page that says coming soon with an email opt-in. Okay, but by I, the time we put out this episode, how about you have that at sarafronti.com? Okay. <laughs> or it's what's gonna, your URL? 
It's going to be, it's going to be saraagafranti.com. Saraagafranti.com, which is S-A-R-A-A-G-A-H-F-R-A-N-T-I.com. Yeah. Do you guys it's obviously in the show notes too. Nice job. <laughs> should I, should I drop? Should I, I'm pretty good at spelling. <laughs> <laughs> okay. There my, are two A's in a row. Please don't forget. <laughs> oh yeah. That's why Michael's like, just make it saraagafranti.com. And I'm like, no. Listen, you Look, have to my, hold on to the identity that works for you. Oh, I'm yeah. not agreeing with them. I'm just saying, be your, you hear it. You hear names it. No, are important. Being yourself. Yeah. Names are important. They have a lot of energy, and I get why you want it. See, I get the benefit of I'm Kate Northrup in public, but I'm Kate Watts in our like personal life. Yeah. So I just like am both, and I get to be two people. Yeah. So, yeah, I so get why you're keeping. I so get it. I am curious. Like, it'll be interesting in like 30 years from now. I just heard this on a podcast this morning about changing names because the guy was like, he was interviewing this woman who just got married and was changing her name from like Katie Hogan to something else. And he's like, a lot of times some women just, they downgrade names, you know, like Hogan's a great name and then they take on their partners, but it'll be interesting like 30 years from now to see like, is that still a tradition? Yeah, it will be interesting. Yeah. I think I see it changing already. Yeah. But people told me, I mean, not to drag this on, but people told me they're like, when I got married, I kept my, or I hyphenated. But then when I had kids, I dropped it because picking up my kids from school was just easier when we had the same last name. <laughs> and I was like, okay. So then I did the double last name. I did like August face Franti. And it's so funny because we travel so much. And when I went in to go sign the marriage license, the guy's like, so what will your last name be? And when I grew up, I always thought it was so romantic to take your husband's last name. Like it was just so romantic. And my palms started sweating and I was like, my heart was racing and I was like, I'm not ready to lose Aga. And so I was like, I'm going to be August based Franzi. And Michael's response, this is why, like, this is who we are as a couple. He's like, that is going to be such a problem when you check into flights. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, that is who we are. Like, that is where our mind, like, when I told Michael I was going to go back to Saskatoon when I went to California, his response to me, he, like, fell to the ground and started crying. And his response was, but there's no direct flights to Saskatoon. <laughs> so yesterday, when I checked into my flight to come to Canada, she was like, so Aga Franti? And I was like, my husband told me that one day this would be a problem. <laughs> so anyways, but yeah, so that's going to be my website. You know, I'm going to make it my gold up by the middle of January. So we come back to North America, to California on January 20th. My website will be up. I'll work on it there. I have no excuse. We'll schedule the episode accordingly. I'm ready. Okay. <laughs> you, you guys rock. A pleasure. I really can't wait until we get to hang out in person. I know. Me too. Thank you for this taking the time to hang out with us today. Thanks. Thanks for having me, you guys. It was really it was a pleasure. Fun. You guys are a beautiful couple. Just if you guys, if Michael happens to do a tour here, we can hang out besides his tours. But if he does one in Maine, because he usually does. Oh yeah. Just also work tell here. Tell him to book in like two <laughs> days on each or you know, an know. extra day. And it's so funny because every time he comes out to the East Coast, I'm never on the tour because it's just so far for me to fly home. You know what, though? Portland is worth it. Okay. (laughs) I just want to say, like, if you're going to come to one city on the East Coast, Portland is amazing and we will show you such a good time. Will you two make it worth it? So I'll come for for you. I'll check. I think his tour schedule's up, so I'll let you guys know. Oh well, we should put it in the calendar already. Well, we should. I'll, I'll bring. I, I'll bring the new babe attached to me, asleep with little yeah. headphones on. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs>
That'd be awesome. Actually, yeah. P would really love it too. She, we, we'd bring yeah, Penelope. we could bring Penelope. She's we'd old take enough. Her on stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She'd yeah. love it. No, she'd totally love it. She'd love the part with the beach balls. Yeah. Hopefully. <laughs> I, I don't Hopefully. know if that's every single show, but it's been to all the shows I've been to, and I love it. Is it an indoor outdoor venue usually? Outdoor. Yeah, we played it both, but now the new outdoor. Oh yeah, opened it's up. outdoor. It, it so would now be, it's opened it'll up. Be yeah. yeah, it's it's awesome. Um, okay, well, I'll find out where here he's playing if they have it yet. They probably have. They haven't announced it to the public, but I'll let you guys know. We okay, we'll keep it under wraps. Out. We're good at that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. I mean, and then he can to pencil in if he would like to do. We're gonna have a big five year wedding anniversary. <laughs> July 4th weekend 2019 and literally he can play on our street so like where this we is the whole plan we could just move the concert to our neighborhood well yeah, yeah. just we, take the whole production out there we could do the whole production in the neighborhood yeah but anyway you could plan that for future you know 2019 where did you guys get married in Maine, in Maine. on the water just like nice. 20 minutes from here it's in technically in South Portland it was by a lighthouse and yeah it's at this community college that has the most epic view ever. Nice. Where did you get married? So I'm right in San Francisco at the Phoenix Hotel, Ooh. which is like this rock and roll hotel. It's like it's like a typical, like you know those motels that have the two-story balconies that all look into the courtyard with the pool? Yeah. That's what it is, but they've like turned it into this boutique hotel and we wanted somewhere where all of our guests could stay. And we yeah. went and looked at Napa and all the sound curfews were like 10 PM. And I'm like, this would not work for our wedding. So no. we had this like killer weekend. We had like a white party the night before and it got way bigger than what I thought it would be, but it was fun. It was a good it's party. It's so worth it. Always but fun. I had the, you know, I had just met Danielle like six months before, like not even. Oh. And she came out to Red Rocks and we were having breakfast and this was like time we'd met. And I was like, you know, I don't want people who are coming to our wedding to just think it's just like another party because we have, we throw parties all the time, right? Like every concert's a party. I want it to be very clear that it's a wedding and I need someone who can speak about marriage and love in a way to set the intention. And she was like, I could do it. And I'm like, are you serious? <laughs> I love Danielle. Like, I could do it. And I'm like, okay. And so we had like a Baha'i ceremony, which is like very little tradition. And the vows are just like one sentence that you say to each other, but we wrote our own vows. And then she like wrote this blessing for us that the, that the guest said to us. And so I was just like, yeah, it was good. It was great. So yeah, she was, was able to set that intention. Either. Yeah. That's so, so cool. yeah. It was cool to have her part of it. Yeah. That's so yeah. special. Well, let me know how we can promote this podcast. And I'll have Michael do some like, you know, shameless promotion for me. <laughs> you know, I will say this is that I was really opposed to him, like promoting me. Like, I think he's ever only talked about my jewelry like twice. And he's, I think only one time he's ever said like, go like her thing. And that was after we got married. But now I'm kind of getting to this position where we both want to do a lot of things together like we want to do a cookbook together and like oh, he's trying to fun. he's trying to include me in a lot of his stuff so like he did a holiday message but it's like from the both of us and so we're doing all these things so it's just like really interesting 
for me as an individual, just like see how we're changing. And, but I'm also setting my own boundaries. Like, okay, if I'm going to be a part of this, this is how I want it to be. You know, one of my ex-boyfriends, one of my first boyfriends, his biggest criticism of me was that everything was a business deal to me. Like everything had to be 50, 50. And I remember we got to this fight and he's like, everything has to be 50, 50. He's like, life is not a business deal. Like not everything can be 50, 50. And I think it's because I grew up like, you know, with like, okay, like you have to make your, make something of yourself. Don't be dependent on a man. Don't da, 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 don't. Da. And so there's this like innate fear inside of me of being dependent on someone else, you know? And so every little thing matters when it comes to, to me, like how many words are we saying? Who's signing off? Who starts it? Whose yeah. name comes before the other? Am I introduced as your wife every time, you know, like, or, you know, so I should just write a book about this stuff. We should just write a book. Really? You know, like, it is. I just think so many people can relate. Like, yeah. I just think it's a really important topic. Yeah. And it's also because you're now like what you just shared about, like you guys are doing more things together. Like, because the partnership you're realizing, like I realized this uh, a couple of years ago, or it's about this time last year or something where it's like, we're doing these things together. Like we're in partnership for this. So it's betterment for the two of us, but also our family and the unit and the business, like everything is better with we're on the same page with it. And because you think about like, you're creating this, you're also protecting like this brand as well, you know, yeah. as you're, yeah. doing, you're looking you're at making the, it stronger the Michael Franti well. brand as well. So what's created you're also making it stronger and a piece of it and protecting because you said he doesn't like systems, right? But like to operate as a musician traveling around the world, like you need a system of some sort. Like just think about like putting concerts and concert schedules and hotels and cars and like food and where we're going to eat and the band and like how we're going to get them places, the equipment. Like, yeah, and it's a really important piece of yeah, it's pretty cool. I think there's... And a it's funny because everyone on our team, like our lawyers come to me, our accountants come yes. to me. I just got a big text about like expenses to go to like Sundance that came to me, you know? And so, yeah, it's just been like, it's like a whole process of like setting boundaries and letting go, Yeah, you know? So it's like, it's just been really interesting and it's still hard. And I think it's always going to, it's all about like being able to communicate really openly, like when things don't feel good, but I'll let you know how it goes. Please I'll do. Let you know, you. I'll let you know how our like recap goes. Yeah, I want to know. And if you need help, let us know. We're around. I actually probably may text you guys and be like, okay, so how do we do this again? <laughs> We're available. I'll send you our categories. I'll email yeah. you our categories. And then I actually, I have to say, I am about to shoot a how-to video for our Origin membership on this anyway, and I'm making a handout about it, so I'll just send you the handout. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. I want to see it. I Don't worry. That. There's a PDF. Okay. <laughs> okay. The handout. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. Okay, Thank bye, you so guys. Much. Have an awesome day. Bye. Bye. We'll see you guys soon. Okay. Ever feel like you're constantly doing things but aren't able to carve out the time or energy for the things that really matter to you? Mike and I want to share our top five tools for making a life, not just a living. To learn what they are, go to katenorthrup.com forward slash tools. See you on the next episode.